Jesus. Let's go to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 20, Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. And when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says something to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Now this took place that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And the disciples went and did just as Jesus had directed them, and brought the donkey and the colt and laid them on their garments on which he sat. And most of the multitude spread their garments in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. And the multitudes going before him and those who followed after were crying out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, who is this? Who is this? Amen. Amen. Just for a thought this morning, entering triumphantly. Amen. Entering triumphantly. Father God, we bless you. We honor you for who you are, for what you're doing. God, we thank you for this day that you have made. Lord, we're determined that we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, God. God, for this, this pivotal time of worship, God, as our hearts and our minds are tuned towards you, God, and our desire is to hear from you. So, Father God, we thank you today for your word your word that is quick and powerful, that is sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you, God, for the power of your word, that your word goes forth and it does not return void, but accomplishes every purpose for which it's sent. Now, God, I thank you, Lord, that the words that proceed from my mouth, God, are not mine but yours. Speak to us on today, God, that we're challenged, we're encouraged, and we're equipped for the task at hand. We honor you for how you're going to move. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. Amen. Matthew chapter 1 gives an account of the triumphal entry of Jesus. Amen. And it's a, it's a pivotal point in Scripture and a pivotal point in the life of Jesus. Amen. For he has reached a point in his life where he, he is prepared to fulfill his purpose. He is, he is beginning to uh, start the cycle of events that are going to lead to the whole reason for which he came. Amen. If you look at his life primarily up to this point, uh, from the time that he came uh, as a baby and grew up and and and. Uh, 
led his disciples, amen. Amen. His ministry consisted of taking place largely outside of the walls of Jerusalem. Amen. His, his, his ministry was, was um, uh, centered around, amen, amen, the outliers, amen, uh, to the point that uh, much of his time was spent teaching his disciples and much of his time was spent performing miracles to the point where he began to develop a reputation. Amen. Jesus was not just known in the country, but Jesus was known in the city as well. Amen. Amen. And, and, and there was, there was a, a, a heightened sense of awareness of who Jesus was and, and what he meant to the Jews. Amen. As it relates to, to this man who's out here who, who claims to be the king of the Jews. Amen. Who claims to be the Messiah. Amen. And you have to understand that for the Jews in that day, they were looking for the return of a Messiah. They were looking for somebody who would come and establish the kingdom. Amen. For years, they were accustomed to, to being um, oppressed. Amen. And being kept down. And imagine how difficult it is for us, for a people who knew that they were the promised of God who knew that they were God's special chosen people, yet they were accustomed to a life of oppression. They had grown accustomed to a life of serving others instead of being served. Amen. And now here comes this man on the scene named Jesus who claims to be everything that the prophets have spoken of in the Old Testament. Imagine their excitement. Amen. Their anticipation of the day when he would come and establish residence and establish the kingdom of God in the land again. Amen. So Jesus has reached this pivotal point in his ministry where, where now he, he, he is beginning to, to make an entry and, and say, I, I have arrived. Amen. I am here. Amen. You can go through scripture and, and up to this point there were times when he changed his path just so he could not encounter those who were out to get him. Amen. But now he's gotten to a point where, where there, there's, no more, there's no more changing of his path. There's, there's no more diversions that are taking place to, to, to get away from those who might be trying to, to seek him, uh, to accuse him. So he is, he is determined that now he is going into the city and not only is he going into the city, but, but he's got a straight line, a straight path that he's going. He's not stopping anywhere else but the temple. He's going straight to the temple. So Jesus is coming in, and as he's coming into the, as he's coming into the city, he's, he's on a donkey. And, and, and everybody, the multitude is excited about his arrival. Why are they excited about his arrival? Because Jesus, this prophet who is out there, who claims to be the Messiah, is finally coming to establish the kingdom. Amen. And, and, as, he's, and he's, as he's preparing to come into the kingdom, as he's preparing to come into Jerusalem, the first place he stops is the temple. And he goes, he goes into the temple, and he goes to the temple, and he turns over the tables that the money changers have. Amen. And so what he has done is he, he, is, he has come to make a statement. The statement he is making is, is, I am here. 
that I was sent here, amen, to, as the Messiah. I am sent here to be the Savior of the world, to establish the kingdom of God. I've been teaching about the kingdom of God. Now I'm getting ready to establish the kingdom of God. I've been preparing my disciples on on how to teach and to minister the kingdom of God. Now I am coming to establish the kingdom of God. Amen. So, so, so for him, this was, this was, this is why it is considered the triumphal entry, because not only is in his mindset, from his perspective, he's coming to establish that which God has sent him to establish, and from the mindset of the Jews, he was coming to establish what they had been told and taught about that that the Messiah was coming to establish. Now. The strange thing was they were two different things. They were two different things. What the Jews were looking for being established was not what Jesus had come to establish. So I've got, so I've got now I've got to understand that. Now here he is. Here he is. And he's riding on, he's riding on the donkey. And look at all the excitement about what Jesus is coming to do. Look at all the anticipation. About, about what Jesus is coming to do. But, the, re, but, but the, the, the reality of it is, is he was not there to do what they were expecting him to do. He was not there to establish an earthly kingdom. But he was there. He was there to establish the kingdom of God. So now I understand that he's there to establish the kingdom of God and he's coming in, and, and, and we have, and, and we 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 see this as as the beginning of the path of events that lead up to his crucifixion and his resurrection. Because up to this point, his ministry has not been on the forefront. It has not been in your face. But now he's determined that he is that there's no challenge that is going to come his way, that, that he is not going to stand boldly and refute. There, 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 there's, no, there's no more time. There's no more time for just sitting around and performing miracles. Now the time is for me to establish my kingdom. And I was looking at this. And as you read the, ver- the chapters that, that are after chapter 21, you read the following, the following passages in, in Matthew and the other Gospels. Jesus was, Jesus was determined about the message that he was bringing. Jesus was determined about the message that he was bringing. From the standpoint that he was here to establish the kingdom of God. That he, he began to address the Pharisees. He began to address the Sadducees. Everybody that came up against him, Jesus began to address. Why? Why? Because this was the time where he was to be about his father's business from the standpoint of the whole purpose behind why he came.
So he's making public his claim to be the Messiah and the King of Israel. And in the midst of all the praise, Jesus is dealing with those who are confused and, and don't understand the whole reason behind why he came. Nevertheless, this is considered a triumphal entry. What does triumphal mean? Victorious, doesn't it? Huh? Triumphal means victorious, doesn't it? So this is this is considered this is what you would consider Jesus's Jesus's victorious entry into the city. But it's a victorious entry that is marked with misperception, with confusion. But it is a victorious entry that is marked with determination and absolution at the same time. On one side, you have confusion and misunderstanding. But on the other side, you have determination and you have absolution from Jesus' perspective. So now I've got to understand if this, is, if this is how you would identify and relate with a triumphant entry that is, that, that is, relative, that, that, that is relative to victory, then there must, there must be some commonality. In, the, in, this, in this idea, in this thought. Because at the end of the day, that same confusion and misunderstanding is still present today. And at the same time, that absolution and determination is still present today. Can you imagine how Jesus, how Jesus felt having to deal with those who had one expectation of him when he knew his purpose was different? And how do we respond when there are those who have expectations of us that are different from our purpose? How do we respond when people have certain expectations of us that don't that 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 aren't the path that God wants us to take? Because at the end of the day that still happens. At the end of the day that still happens. That that there that people put expectations on you. And it, and it may not even be that those expectations are wrong. Was there anything wrong with the Jews' expectation of Jesus? Was there anything scripturally incorrect about what they were looking for? Because everything that they heard in scripture related to a king coming and establishing a kingdom. This is what I read, this is what I've heard, this is what I've been taught, and this is who you say you are. So why in the world would I think anything different 
Why would I think anything different? Why would I think anything different about what you're supposed to, what you're supposed to be doing? The difference was Jesus was in tune with what the Father's will was. Jesus knew what the Father's will was for his life. So, what, so when, it come, when it comes to this victorious entry, when it comes to, to that element of victory, the first thing that Jesus was confident in was the fact that he knew the whole reason behind why he came. He wasn't confused about what he was supposed to do, where he was supposed to go, how he was supposed to do it, or when he was supposed to do it. He was, he was 100% confident behind why he was coming, and he wasn't allowing anything to distract him or detract him from the whole reason. Now, he could have very well done everything that they wanted him to do, couldn't he? Huh? But that did not line up with what the Father wanted him to do. So you've got to be so, so confident about what God's will and purpose is for your life and what you're doing that you are not going to allow anything or anybody to distract you from that purpose or to distract you from that thing. Now, does it mean that expectations are not going to come from others? No, expectations are always going to come. People are always going to expect you to do things. But just because they expect you to do things doesn't mean that you have to do them. The things that they expect you to do, they might not even be wrong. They might even line up with the word of God. But it may not be what God is leading and directing you to do. And you've got to be so determined and so confident. And knowing that this is what God has told me to do, that you're not distracted or deterred away from your focus. Does that make sense? Because he had the power to do everything that they wanted him to do. He had the power to do everything that they wanted him to do. But he would not allow anything to deter him from the whole purpose behind which he was sent. Do you know why you're here? And, are, and are, do we know why we're here? And are we so determined that we are not going to allow anything or anyone to distract or deter us from the whole reason behind why we're here? And the whole thing, that the whole purpose behind what God wants us to do. Another thing that Jesus was doing by showing up was he was staking claim to what was his. He was staking claim to what was his. Where there would be no more question. No more speculation, no more debate, no more deliberation. But he was staking claim to what, this is mine. This is mine and I'm coming to get it. This is mine and I'm coming to get it. That's, that's what he was doing. That's what he was doing. He was publicly declaring 
that I am who I say I am. And there's something that I have, and I'm coming to get it. Have you made that declaration? Have you determined that you're going to go get what's yours? Huh? Have you determined that you're going to stake claim to your position in Christ? Because that's, that's, the, that's what's important. If you stake claim to the position you have in Christ. So you have to understand, the enemy wants you to focus on your condition. Huh? That's, that's what he wants. He wants you to focus on your condition, what you're going through, what you're facing, what your struggles are. But what God wants us to do is focus on our position in Christ. What, what, is, what, is, our, what is our position in Christ? Our position in Christ is, is that we are heirs of God, right? Huh? Is that what the, is that, is that what the word says? Huh? Romans chapter 8. Verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And of children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So, so we are heirs of Christ, is that right? Now, if I'm, a, if I'm an heir of Christ, what does that mean? That means that, that whatever Christ has, huh, is whose? Say, whatever Christ has is mine. Whatever Christ has is mine. Now, it, now that's, that's what he said in his word, right? Huh? John 16 says, in that day, 23, you will no longer ask you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Right? Is that, that, that's what he said. So I'm an heir of Christ. So everything that Christ has is mine, right? Huh? So, so, I, so we are in a position where we can stake claim on what belongs to us. Now, a lot of times what hinders us from staking claim to what belongs to, to us is the enemy has us focused on our condition and not our position. He has us focused on what we're going through, what we're facing in life, what, what, what is happening as opposed to the position that we have in Christ. Amen. It's difficult to focus on your position in Christ when your bank account is negative, isn't it? Huh? Sometimes it's hard to focus on your position in Christ when your kids are acting up. Huh? Or your husband is acting up or your spouse or your wife is acting up. Amen. It's hard to focus on your position in Christ when, when, when the people on your job are, are giving you up one side and down the other. You know, you know, so what the enemy does is he has those things planted in our lives. He has those things planted in our lives so we can focus on so we can focus on the conditions of things as opposed to the position. Can you imagine getting to a point where you were fo so focused on your position and where you who you are in Christ that the conditions that you were in didn't have any effect on you? 
can you imagine being being in the that would that would almost that would almost be like getting up in the morning, putting putting shorts and a tank top on and walking out in 17 degree weather and not being bothered. But if but if you did that, if you did that, how long would you stay out there? Not very long. Huh? Just, just just a few seconds. In fact, some of us before before we get the door cracked and we get that first that first taste of that <laughs> that temperature, we're gonna shut it real quick, aren't we? Why why? Because we are con- we we have been conditioned. We have been conditioned to function based on conditions. We've been conditioned to function based on conditions. It's raining outside, so I need an umbrella. Right? We've been focused. We've been conditioned to focus on our conditions. But what happens if you determine that you're going to focus on your position? Because things should take on a totally different perspective, shouldn't they? Can you imagine waking up in the morning and saying, God, it doesn't matter what the temperature is today. It doesn't matter what people say to me today. Doesn't matter what my bank account looks like today. Doesn't matter what I face today. I understand that today I am an heir of Christ. I'm a joint heir with Christ. And and because because I've risen today, God, I didn't wake up this morning. It, it wasn't it wasn't some fluke that I woke up. It wasn't by chance that I woke up. But today I woke up with purpose. And I woke up. I woke up with destiny in mind. So God, because I've woken up today, I'm going to choose to walk in my position rather than walk in my conditions. Does that make sense? I'm going to choose to walk in my position rather than walk in my conditions. Now, what does that do? By walking in your position, that gives you the, that gives you the ability to change. That gives you the ability to change your conditions and to change your circumstances. Why? Because now you're walking under the power and authority that Christ has given you. Is that right? So that means I've, that means I'm faced with two options. I can look I can look at the the lack in my bank account and be discouraged because those are the conditions that I see or I can look at the lack of that in my bank account and be encouraged because of my position in Christ so now what do I begin to do I begin to speak to that lack huh and I speak to that lack to that lack has to come in line with the word of God that lack has to come in line with the word of God. And according to the word of God, the word, the word of God declares that I'm the head and not the tail, right? That I'm above and not beneath, right? Is that what the word of God says? Is that what the word of God says? So why can't I speak to the lack 
in my life and the, the lack in my account and, and declare and decree that according to the word of God, it's got to come in line. Now, what I begin to do is now my actions, now my actions begin to line up with the word that was spoken. The Bible says God's word cannot go forth and do what? Return what? Voice. Now, if God's word says, if God's word says that I am prosperous, if God's word says I am head and not to tell, if God's word says I'm going to be a lender and not the borrow, then what, if, if that word goes forth, can that word return void? No, but then my actions have to begin to line up with that word that God has sent, right? So now everything begins to change because when you act based off of your position as opposed to your conditions, you're going to do different things. You're going to act differently. You're going to speak differently. You're going to think differently. You're going to plan differently. Why? Because you understand who you are and where you're going and everything that you've been empowered with. We've got to stop responding to the conditions in our life and act like we are who we say we are. Does that make sense? Because at the end of the day, we're, you're allowing your authority to be challenged. You're allowing your authority to be challenged. When Jesus went into the temple and he turned the money changers' tables over and he began to heal and, and everybody was coming into the temple. Now, here's the thing. What, Je what Jesus was doing was he was continuing his ministry, but he was continuing his ministry from, from, from the beginning of the seat of where he was supposed to stand. He was in the temple. He was in the temple healing. He wasn't on the streets healing. So, so they began to question by what authority he was able to do this. How is, it that you, how is it that you can do this? Is this your authority or is this God's authority? But he didn't answer them. But he was confident of where his authority came from. Do we allow our authority to be questioned? Has, has anybody ever told you that you could do something and you're in, the pro, you're in the process of doing it and then somebody else comes up who didn't know that you were given that authority to do it and then they question you? Why you, who, who told you you could do that? And then you'd be like, uh, 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 <laughs> have you ever had an experience like that? Where someone questions your authority and you're not able to respond confidently by whose authority you were given to do that? Or have, have, do, do you, have you ever been given the authority to do something. But you still had an uneasiness about exercising that authority. And a lot of times as believers, 
I think we have an uneasiness about exercising our authority. I mean, if you have a you can if you have a headache, the authority that I've been given, I can speak to that headache in the name of Jesus, right? Huh? And that headache has to to do what? Huh? It has to come in line according to my what? According to my faith. According to my faith. So I have I have the right I have the authority. Not the privilege, but the authority. Right? right. To, to, speak, to speak to those things that are not as though they what? That's an authorization to act. Having the right to do something. Right? So, so what you have to, you can't allow your authority to be challenged. You cannot allow, who are you? You're a child of God, aren't you? Right? And you've, you've been given, you've been given power. You've been given authority. Is that right? Right? Now, I have power, I have authority, and I have position. So is there, is, there any, is there any lack in terms of those things that God has given me? No. There's no lack when it comes to the things that God has given me. So if I'm not where I'm supposed to be, is it God's fault or is it my fault? It's my fault, isn't it? And, 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 the, and the, the reality is, those are the things that we allow the enemy to take from us. Those are the things that we allow the enemy to take to us because he, want, he wants you, he wants you. He wants to keep you from taking your position. He wants to keep you from taking your position. He wants to keep you from, ex, from exercising the authority that you have. You have the ability to call those things or not that are not as though they are. Right? That's what he said in his word. Is that what he said in his word? Right. So that's, that's, that's a part of the authority that I have as a believer, as a child of God. So my exercising that authority is critical in terms of me accomplishing what it is God wants me to accomplish. Does that make sense? Romans 5 and 17 says, For if by the trespass of the one man Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the abundance of God's grace and the gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one man Jesus Christ? What is reigning? Reigning is, is, is authority, isn't it? Right? Colossians 3. If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and greed which amounts to idolatry 
How many of us believe that God, God intends for us to be victorious? Amen. Huh? Amen. How many of you want to experience that victory? Amen. 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 Really? Amen. How, many of us, how many of us want to experience that victory? Amen. Huh? I, w- I want to experience that victory in Christ. How, and, and, and my understanding of experiencing that victory in Christ I've got to understand that I've got to have a knowing about everything that Christ has given to me. I need to understand that God has God has a a triumphal God has already Jesus has already had the triumphal entry, right? And in doing that, what was he doing? He was establishing his kingdom and saying and saying, "Hey, this is it." Right? So his kingdom has already been established, isn't it? So, so the only thing that happens on my part is I just need to walk in the victory that he has established. Amen? I just need to walk in the victory that he has established. So my walking in the victory that he has established, I've got to understand that there's going to have to, there's going to, have to come a time where, listen, I, I, don't need to, I don't need to be doing what I'm doing out in the wilderness or, or on the outskirts. I need to be at the forefront of my life. Amen? Amen. When it comes, when it comes to who I am in Christ and who I am in God, that's got to be at the forefront of my life, right? Not the wilderness part of my life, but the forefront of my life. It's got to be at the very front that when I rise, I rise as a king. That when I rise, I rise as an heir of Christ. And when when I step out of bed, I'm stepping out of bed as a king and an heir. Amen. Amen. And I am approaching my whole day from that standpoint. My whole day is predicated on the fact that this is who I am. When I walk into the room, royalty is walking into the room. When I step on my job, royalty is stepping on the job. Right? My home is a palace. Why? Because royalty lives there. Is that right? And if that if that is the case, it changes how I act, don't it? It's gonna make me tuck my shirt in, isn't it? Huh? Make sure my socks are clean. You don't want to go out looking shabby, do you? Huh? Now, kings, kings, kings and queens don't go out half-dressed, do they? Huh? No. Why? Because they carry, they carry a certain air and attitude about them. Do you have an air and an attitude when it comes to Christ? A determination that when, you, when, 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 I, when I show up, things make a difference. You know, they used people used to pick on me at work because they say I walk slow. And you know what I used to tell them? See, what you have to understand is I'm good at what I do. And it's what makes the difference is not how long it takes me to get there, but what happens when I show up. That's what makes the difference. See, you might get there twice as fast as me, 
But things are not going to turn around until I show up. Huh? You, you got to have that, you got to have that attitude. Huh? That other people might beat you to the spot. But the turnaround doesn't happen until you show up, until you get there. Why? Because that is who I am and that's what I do. I can't help it. It just happens. It just follows me. How many of you believe that? I mean, I've had somebody call me before and say, I can't get this... I can't, this thing is not working, this is not working right. I can't get this to, to do right. And I've just walked in the room, and all of a sudden it started working. Now, you know that make you get the big head, don't you? Yeah, it make, yeah, I, I, I get, but it, it happened a lot, Lady Jackson. You know, that's a, hey, this, this I can't, I, th- we can't get on, we can't get on this application. We haven't been able to get on this application all morning. Hold on, I'll be right there. And I come in there, what's the problem? And they, oh, it's working now. Yeah, I know. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's supposed to. It's, it's supposed to. But you got you to gotta have that attitude about who you are in Christ. That things change when you show up. You're... Where you work is blessed because you work there. You got you to gotta have that attitude. Why? Because, listen, that is who Jesus is. That is what Jesus said. So, so I've got to take my position in Christ and say, this is who I'm supposed to be. Now, does that mean is the enemy going? The enemy is going to come against me. And he's going to try and challenge me. He's going to try and challenge me and tell me that that this this I am not who I think I am. I am not who I say I am. I am not who I believe I am. And he'll throw all sorts of condemnation. But the Bible says there's no more condemnation. Right? But why? Because we are in Christ Jesus. Is there any way that he can pull me out of Jesus' hand? There's no way that he can do that. So there's no way that he can, there's no way that he can challenge or take the authority and the, the right that I have as an heir of God. He can't do that. The only thing that can happen is I can surrender it to him. I can surrender him. And his only tactics in getting us to surrender it to him is, is to get us distracted and deterred from, from who we are in Christ. Does that make sense? But I've got to be so focused on who I am that I'm not allowing anything to distract me or to keep me from taking my rightful place as a child and an heir of God. This is the life that God has established for us. Amen? And the last thing is, you've got to be so confident about what God's plan is and what God wants you to do. Why? Because the steps of a righteous man are what? 
ordered by the Lord. How many of you believe God orders your steps? Huh? So, so God, God has ordered your steps. For, how many of you believe God has ordered your steps for this day? Hmm? Now, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you know what God's plan is for you for the rest of the day? Where has he ordered your steps for this day? We know he brought you here. But where, did, where has he sent you after you leave here? And what does he want you to do? Huh? Make disciples. So where are you going? Uh, some of us going home, right? <laughs> uh, some of us going home. Some of us going to going out to eat before we go home, right? And then when we get home, we're gonna get ready for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Why? Because tomorrow starts Monday. We gotta iron clothes and you know get everything together. Steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, right? So where, where, has, where is God sending you? Where has God sent you? Where does he have you now? What does he want you to do now? What has he been saying to you? How has he been directing you? Because at the end of the day, he wants you to do what? Make disciples, Right? And he, want, he, want, he wants you to maintain your position and your authority in the body. Is that right? So everything, everything is predicated upon those things happening. So now I, have, now I have to begin to put that into practice and say, okay, Lord, I am who you say I am. I understand my position. I understand my authority. And I understand your expectations. I'm not going to allow my position to be challenged. I'm not going to relinquish relinquish my authority. And I'm not going to allow the expectations of others, of other, not others, other. I'm not going to allow the expectation of others to interfere with what you want me to do. Does that make sense? Amen. Take your position. Hold on to your authority. Take your position. Hold on to your authority. And stick to the expectations of God. And I promise you, you'll see God begin to work wonders in our, in your in your life. Amen. That's what because at the end of the day, something can happen just like that, just like that, and it can have us all discombobulated. 
Huh? But at some point, you got to find your way back. Huh? Get back in that seat and say, I'm still who God says I am. God, I'm sorry. Lord, I need your help, but I'm still, I still believe I'm who you say I am. So continue to do this work in me. And I promise you, I promise you, the victory that you have given to me, I'm determined to see manifest in my life. Amen. Because it's already done, isn't it? Huh? The victory's already done, isn't it? Amen. How many of us in here are victorious? Hmm? Amen. Let's stand to our feet.